everyone. Welcome to Albert Fish Does Dallas Part 2. Let's get back to this sick bastard. <laughs> we had a, a brief reprieve with the horror show, and now... Here we are again. Here we are. All right. Mr. Fish. Lay it on me, Albert Fish. So this episode... It's going to focus more on his most publicized victim, Grace Budd, who was 10 years old at the time of her death. Ugh. Uh, and then I'm also going to walk us through his arrest and what happened at his trial. Okay. Yeah. So who was Grace Budd? This time, Albert Fish was going by the alias of Frank Howard. One of, I think he, there were a couple times he used different names. And Frank Howard's persona this identity that he had created is that he was a farmer from Farmingdale, New York. Mm. And he responded to an advertisement in the paper for a family looking for work. And this was placed in the newspaper by a man by the name of Edward Budd. So Edward Budd was uh, an 18 year old boy, man, uh, determined to make something of himself. He's like, I'm not, I don't want to be poor like my family. I actually want to get out. I want to try to make money. Okay. Help us all out. So Frank Howard is then contacted. Frank Howard, i.e. Albert Fish. And Edward's parents, Albert and Delia Bud, say, Mr. Howard, we would love to have you to our home because you seem like a nice man and you're wealthy. And maybe, just maybe... This is the guy that's going to bring us into wealth. Mm. So, Ed, how about you go out and work in his farm for a while? So, Frank Howard, Mr. Howard, he arrives at Albert and Delia's doorstep with a job offer for Bud's son, Edward. And he states, Mr. Bud, I would like to have Edward uh, come work with me at my farm. And how did he gain this trust well you know he tells albert and delia about his six children and how his wife had left him right right i'm just a sad sack sad sack of shit mm-hmm. who my children really need you are a sad sack of shit yeah, that's for sure you're a sad sack of shit <laughs> however but you know i'm all alone i need help i have a lot of money and i'm willing to pay whatever it takes to get some help. So imagine at this time, hi there, I'd like to buy your son. I also look like a predatorial grandfather. Yeah, they just weren't thinking about it. No, they weren't. And again, if you look up this guy, he doesn't look like he can do a lot of damage. So Edward's sitting there going, as well as the parents, they're like, oh my gosh, this is money and you're 18, you're old enough to go. So he's looking forward to having this job and providing for his family. And um, Howard even offered a job to Bud's friend, Willie. He's like, well, why don't you come too? Right. Yeah. Sweeten the deal. Sweeten the deal. So Howard planned uh, to come back later, uh, a few days later to take them back to his farm to begin work. But Howard didn't show. Mm. And he provided a handwritten note explaining that he would be in touch in a few days. He said, real sorry. Couldn't quite make it. Probably doing something fucked up over here. Can't tell you what it is. Closing of things. So then he comes a few days later for a visit he comes over and, and the family invite him to stay for lunch. Comes okay. over early that morning. Oh God. Okay. The so, cannibal jokes abound in my head every time you mention food. <laughs> right. I'm right. like, who's for lunch? Son of the greatest purple. <laughs> so he, he's polite. 
<laughs> charming, right? Sure. Comes in. I He's guess. describing his large acre land and okay. his farm hands. And he appears like a hearty farm boy looking for help after his family had so sadly left him. Mm-hmm. But he knew, Bud knew, father, yeah. that his son really wanted this job. Okay. Right. So Bud, uh, he's a dad and he's like, there is something odd about this, this dude, but I'm going to ignore it mm-hmm. and I'm going to ignore my instincts because yeah. we need money and my son really wants to do this. Yep. So during this lunch, they're all hanging out, they're eating silent cream and this <laughs> young girl comes into the room and immediately catches fish's eye. Probably because she's a child. Yeah, I have this guy. So like, I can't. He's like, the he's the fucking pedophile at the table that kind of looks at her and he goes, "Hey, little girl, let me see how good of a counter you are." Or he already freaking knew. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. And went there knowing what he was gonna. Uh... So get. I mean, it gets even better. Talk about now they're really ignoring their instincts because when he says, "Let me see how good of a counter you are," he hands over a huge wad of cash for her to count. Oh my God. And the whole family goes wide eyed and they're like, because oh, they're impoverished. It's awful. Right? And the they're con like, is just awful. Oh my God. All we see is this cash. So she answers quickly $92.50. Wow. To which Fish commented on how bright she was <laughs> and then gives her 50 cents for her to spend on candy for her and her sister, mm-hmm, which is a lot. A lot. So he then states he'd be back in the evening to pick up Edward and, and the Bud's friend, Willie. And he said that he uh, he first had to attend a family member's birthday party and give the boys uh, and and so he's like I'm going to give you two some money to go see a movie while while you wait for me to come back right, right. at this time okay this is where I'm like come on <laughs> I know it's hard in hindsight when at we this read time, these things he asks the family if he can take Gracie to his niece's birthday party. Yep. You know what? I think it'd be a really good idea if Gracie came with me. He would take good care of her and he'd have her home by 9 p.m. to pick up the boys. Grace's mother asks where his sister lives. Like, where are you taking our daughter? And he replies that she lives in an apartment on Columbus. Right. Somewhere close. Right. So Delia, the mother, is like, I don't know if I should really allow her to go. But then dad steps in and he's like, let the poor kid go. She never gets to go anywhere. We don't have a lot of money. She doesn't get to see much. He says she doesn't get to see much good times. Yeah. So Delia allows her to go, but that evening there's no information. They don't get any contact from fish or Gracie after they leave. So the next morning, Edward um, was told to go down to the police station, the brother, and he's told by the officer that the address that fish had provided was completely fictitious. And so the police begin the search and, and start to investigate the case, but it ends in just dead end after dead end after dead end. So imagine how terrified these parents are, right? Because on one hand they're going, we're just, we're trying to make some money and maybe we would have offended him if we didn't let her go. But we had this weird feeling, this weird feeling. Okay. Oh my God. Awful. So now it's June 7th and law enforcement starts to send flyers nationwide. The New York police at this point aren't strangers to missing children. So ironically, a few years before grace is abducted, two young boys were actually kidnapped and, and the witnesses described the person who kidnapped her mm-hmm. or kidnapped them, excuse me, as an elderly gray man. So this is where his other name comes in. The Meaning gray an old guy. Yep. 
What they didn't know was that the old man who was old and frail was our Mr. Albert Fish, a.k.a. Frank Howard. Right. So here are the two, right? I had referred to Bill Gaffney in the last episode. So the first one is Francis McDonald was reported missing on the 14th of July, 1924. His body was found hanging by a tree in the woods near his house. The autopsy revealed that he was severely beaten, sexually assaulted, and ultimately choked with his own suspenders. So falls right in the profile of this dude. Right. Then we have Bill Gaffney. He was playing in his apartment's hallway. Just so innocent. I mean, imagine just like your home. Yep. And uh, with with Billy Beaton and his brother, so a friend and a brother, Beaton's brother briefly left to check on his sister. And when he returned, the two young boys had disappeared. Billy Beaton was later found on the roof of the apartment, but Gaffney was never found. It's how fast this fucker moved. So, and it's so fast. Like stronger and faster than he appears. <laughs> yep. Exactly. So Which when, is a superpower, really, oh is how God. he presents is so different than how so he acts. So different. So he asks, when asked about Billy Gaffney, Beaton, the friend said, uh, the boogeyman took him. Not much was assumed of his statement until an eyewitness came forward and identified Fish. The descriptions given by both Beaton and the eyewitnesses pointed, obviously, to Albert. It's the harmless ones you got to watch. Oh, yeah. Well, and the ones that feign this vulnerability. I mean, yep. Bundy did with his arm in a sling. Dahmer played this kind of nerdy, mm -hmm. you know, unassuming guy. Mm -hmm. So the only, there was only one detective that kept this unknown perpetrator at the time of these two boys in his head or three boys, only one detective. And his name was William F. King. That, that'll be important in a moment. So fast forward now to Grace Bud. So Grace Bud was taken to an abandoned house in Westchester County where he goes to undress himself to prevent blood from spattering onto his clothes before luring her upstairs. So at, at least he was thoughtful enough about his fucking clothing. <laughs> this guy, he's like a sick clown, right? right like I'm going to go right. get naked and then I'm going to go get her. I'm going to lure her upstairs. So it made sense to him. She sees him and at the sight of him, she starts to cry. He starts to strip her naked. Um, he strangles her to death. What follows this, though, is the really, not that it, it's already disturbing, but what follows this is he begins to cut her into chunks small enough to bake in his oven. All righty. After he strangled her, he mutilated the body and he eats the remains over the next nine days. The really, really, really tragic part in this, if it isn't tragic enough, is that the Bud family wouldn't know of any of this until six years later. Oh, when a disturbing unsigned letter arrives for them on November 11th, 1934. This is that psychological torture he loves. The police end up arresting a man by the name of Charles Edward Pope on September 5th, 1930, on suspicion of kidnapping Grace. 66 years old, apartment superintendent. He's arrested after his estranged wife tip off the police. But after remaining in jail for 108 days, they, you know, imagine that's another 108 days they think they have their guy, right? He's found not guilty. It's not until four years later that Fish is actually apprehended. Man. So they're just I mean, waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. Yeah, like they know who it was. That's the guy that left with their kid. Right. Like <laughs> that's yeah. who did it. So 
But because they never heard from him again, how do they know he didn't sell her off to this guy or yeah, whatever, right? Fair. So, Bud, so let's go back to this letter that arrives now on November 11th, 1934. Delia Bud receives this letter in the mail, but she couldn't read. So she asks her son to read it instead. And after he reads it, he runs out the door to grab Detective King, mm-hmm. who was the guy that had kind of had this on his radar, hadn't forgotten this. And the letter was very graphic and described as... Um, barbaric essentially yeah. barbarous so in his letter fish reveals that he took grace to his house upstate where he orchestrated her murder while she was picking wildflowers in the yard he reportedly choked her to death before eating her flesh so here's the letter my dear mrs bud in 1894 a friend of mine shipped as a deckhand on the steamer tacoma captain john davis they sailed from san francisco to hong kong china on arriving there, he had two others went went ashore and got drunk. When they returned, the boat was gone. At that time, there was famine in China. Meat of any kind was from $1 to $3 a pound. So great was the suffering among the very poor that all children under 12 were sold to the butchers to be cut up and sold for food in order to keep others from starving. A boy or girl under 14 was not safe in the street. You could go in any shop and ask for steak, chops, or stew meat. Part of the naked body of a boy or a girl would be brought out in just what you wanted cut from it. A boy or girl's behind, which is the sweetest part of the body, and sold as veal cutlet brought the highest price. John stayed there so long he acquired a taste for human flesh. On his return to New York, he stole two boys, one seven, one eleven. He took them to his home, stripped them naked, tied them in a closet, then burned everything they had on. Several times every day and night, he spanked them, tortured them to make their meat good and tender. First, he killed the 11-year-old boy because he had the fattest ass and, of course, the most meat on it. Every part of his body was cooked and eaten except head, bones, and guts. He was roasted in the oven. All of his ass boiled, broiled, fried, stewed the little boy was next went the same way at that time i was living at 409 east 100 street rear right side he told me so often how good human flesh was i made up my mind to taste it on sunday june the 3rd 1928 i called on you at 406 west 15th street brought you pot cheese pot cheese strawberries we had lunch grace sat in my lap and kissed me I made up my mind to eat her. On the pretense of taking her to a party, you said, yes, she could go. I took her to an empty house in Westchester I had already picked out. When we got there, I told her to remain outside. She picked wildflowers. I went upstairs and stripped all of my clothes off. I knew if I did not, I would get her blood on them. When all was ready, I went to the window and called her. Then I hid in a closet until she was in the room. When she saw me all naked, she began to cry and tried to run downstairs. I grabbed her, and she said she would tell her mama. First, I stripped her naked, how she did kick, bite, and scratch. I choked her to death, then cut her in small pieces so I could take my meat to my rooms. Cook and eat it. How sweet and tender her little ass was roasted in the oven. It took me nine days to eat her entire body. I did not fuck her, though. I could have, if I wished, she died a virgin. 
<clears throat> Most cold calculated. Awful. Horrific. <laughs> of a parent's worst nightmare. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody always says they want to know what happened to my kid when their then, kid disappears and is murdered. And then you wonder. And then you wonder how this could have not brought that sort of solace. I understand why people want to know. They want an end to the story. They want to be able to grieve effectively. But in this case, I feel like, first of all, it's coming from the killer and it's psychological torture and it's like one last way for him to get the upper hand. So, and it feels like that when you're listening to it. So, And, and six years later. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's playing. He is. Detective King saw, so, so the detective I was talking to mom, about a moment ago, Detective King, he now sees patterns in this letter that Western Union had received six years ago during the other children's murders. So initially there were a few leads because a Frank Howard did not exist. And that was also part of the problem. Remember, is this guy wasn't real. Right, right. Or his name, anyway. Right. So the police end up finding Fish using the details found on the envelope that he used to send uh, th this letter. And Detective King ends up waiting for him at his home at the door when Fish starts to charge at him with a razor blade. He's like, yeah, now I know I'm fucked. Like, I've been, I've been found out. So King twisted his arm and was able to get the blade away. During his questioning, Fish never once denied what he had done to Gracie's murder. So after Albert Fish was arrested in Grace Bud's disappearance, he was linked to several other cases of murders, molestation, and kidnapping. And among other suspected victims, he did confess to killing Francis McDonald and Bill Gaffney, the two boys before. You know, we try to keep it light around here, and you're making it really difficult. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> We try to insert a little humor about these very dark, awful, shadowy things. But no, I find no humor in that letter. Oh, God. And I, I mean, had a feeling that was going to be the case even, when you told me you were going to read it. Oh, I was yeah, like, oh, not, that's going to be fucked up. It's not, there's not even anything gallows in there. to. It's all bad. It's all bad. Yeah. Interesting, though. Yeah. So after his trial, Grace Budd and, and Gaffney and Billy Gaffney had ended that, that fish admitted to raping and murdering Francis McDonald. So, you know, he he ends up slowly starting to admit all the shit that he's done. And again, you know, you look at that and you go, is it now because he's been caught and here comes the grandiosity? You want to make sure Probably. that he gets this, <laughs> uh, right? Okay, so now this, this fuckhead is on, he's sentenced. But before that, so he just confesses, basically. Do they do a whole trial? Yeah, they do everything? a whole trial. So on March 11, 1935, the trial for Grace's murder begins in White Plains, New York. It lasts for 10 days with Frederick P. Close as the presiding judge and Albert F. Gallagher as the DA, James Dempsey as the defense attorney. His stepdaughter, which is, I tried to find information on, it said that he had stepchildren, but I, other than in the trial part, I cannot find any references to this. So I don't really know who Mary Nicholas was, but allegedly his stepdaughter. Interesting. Um, one of the witnesses who testified that he had often made her brothers and sisters play games that were sadomasochistic in nature. When I looked back at that time, he had had six children all from the same woman. So I don't know why she was considered a stepdaughter. Huh. I don't know. 
but that's how they label her. So in the trial, the defense argued that he's legal insane. But like I mentioned in part one, you know, in his insanity plea, he claims that he heard voices from God who instructed him to kill the children. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> Bull fucking shit. Mm-hmm. So they use many descriptions and testimonies to, pr- to prove to the jury that he was mentally ill. And again, I've talked about this in other episodes. <laughs> mentally ill does not equate with insanity. No. So the jury didn't believe it, though. He was considered to be a psychopathic personality without a psychosis, and he was actually found guilty. So mm. jury declares him to be sane and guilty. Judge announces his death sentence. He's executed on January 16th, 1936. Fry, motherfucking fry. (laughs) In the electric chair at the Sing Sing prison, his final words were, I don't even know why I'm here. Oh, okay. Fuck you. Which part was confusing? Which part was confusing? Which part was confusing? Now he's going to feign mental illness again. He isn't oriented to where he is and what he's doing. What? This guy. Yeah. So he's convicted and he goes to prison. He's convicted and fried. Immediately? Did they do it immediately in the It looks days? like it happened pretty quickly. Yeah. Because, you know, these days quick. it's like yeah. you're sentenced to death and then there's a period of time where you sit and contemplate your mortality in prison. Well, I guess that didn't the happen. The trial was March 11th, 1935. Um, less than a year later, he's Yeah, executed. I don't think they had the jurist. They didn't have the red tape we have now. Where no, people these guys are, 10, 15, 20 plus years yeah, on death row. That makes sense to yeah. me. That's he didn't awful. even know why he was there. No, he didn't. <laughs> he does, of course. He didn't know why he was there. Yeah, well, unless he completely lost his mind by then. Well, they used to call him ham and eggs. Right. Jesus Christ. That's probably the reason this all happened. Oh, uh, all right. Well, Go take a shower. Yeah, right. Final thoughts. What is what was it like? It was dirty. I mean, this was a hard one because one, there's a lot of information. I watched some uh, there's some documentaries that I found on YouTube that helped give me all of these horrifically disgusting like grotesque details. details. Sure. Some there's a lot of like the just the 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 facts are all online, but what I wanted was more of the relationship pieces that I found in the documentaries that spoke more about like who the buds were right outside, and I thought that was important because of how he went about getting her. We had to understand the dynamic of that family. It would have been really easy to just say, "Yeah, he kidnapped this girl," but there's so much context there that I wanted ma- people to see like really how good he was in grooming and manipulating and finding very vulnerable people to get, you know, whether they were marginalized because of color or race, marginalized because of socioeconomic status, he knew exactly how to go in and get what he wanted. Yeah. And they're marginalized by being children. And yes, I mean, they're victims by being children for sure. Developmentally disabled or intellectually disabled. Some, right. Some of them were. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think the fact that grace was the reason why he went down basically like he got arrested and ultimately convicted and all that because of his involvement with that family and her. Yeah. And I think like, you know, he was such a psychopath too, that it was like everything has a price and I can buy this family. Mm -hmm. I can, I can literally just start buying my victims if I want. Yeah. That's what he was probably doing. And we just happened to know about this one. I'm sure there were Mm -hmm. others that, 
never even came to fruition or light and nobody knew that it even happened that way. Cause I also imagine if family saw this or understood what was going on and something like that had happened to them or they knew him, they wouldn't have come forward for shame purposes that they had been involved with him or something like that. So, well, I appreciate it. I now know more about Albert Fish than I ever wanted to know. <laughs> listen, the folks ask listen. for true crime and we bring it. Listen, it's hard. Listen, it's hard to make this shit light. Oh no, no, it's not. It's not. You light. know, it's not a light topic. We have to have, of course, a sense of humor throughout. But we certainly know how serious this is. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If of you Chair made it this Talk. far, <laughs> yeah, appreciate you sticking around. If there's anybody that you'd like us to talk about in the future and, and unravel their psychology, you'll let us know. Thank you so much for listening to t- this episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. <laughs>